Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Oh, what's going on, everybody? This is the uh, regularly scheduled portion of the proceedings today. It's a two-show Wednesday. Folks that are listening over on the traditional podcast channels, greetings. You guys can hang out with us over on YouTube. Those that are watching on YouTube, I'll explain what I did yesterday, which is that this is, and basically all shows, and pretty soon I won't do this little intro, uh, you're just kind of hanging out. You're looking in on what is a an audio show, uh, but those on YouTube get a chance to kind of see some of the web browser windows that I'm looking at, and you can kind of work along with me as we go through some of the stuff. I am Dan Vesperis, at Dan Vesperis on Twitter. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. And this, of course, is a sports ethos presentation. Sportsethos.com is the website. At ethosfantasybk is the Twitter handle. And the Fantasy Pass is on sale for just a couple more days. We're now well under a week to go in our NBA Draft Guide drop sale, meaning it's on sale until the NBA Draft Guide drops, which is coming any day now, any moment, and then prices go up. So make sure to lock in your rate today. Don't wait and pay more a week from today. That is foolish, especially when you consider that it's a six-month subscription. So whatever number you see, a dollar, two dollars, three dollars that you're saving, you're actually saving six times that amount. That's at sportsethos.com. Click the uh, Get Premium tab and get your party started today. Here's what's going on today. As I click my tongue into the microphone like a true professional would, we are 23 players deep in our analysis of the ADP board. We are effectively... Uh, Jokic, then an Embiid Doncic, then a Tatum uh, Halliburton, then a Steph Shea, then a Dame all the way through Booker. Uh, who's the front and back end of the next one? Then a Mikhail Bridges through Trey Young, pool party, uh, bucket set into our breakdown. Giannis and Trey Young are the big jumpers. No surprise there. They're guys that have hyper-elite categories and extraordinarily weak ones. And those guys tend to get a bump because of eight-category leagues, because of points leagues, because of head-to-head punt builds, things of that nature. Yesterday, we talked about Trey Young. Today, many of you can tell from the title uh, or from the thumbnail that we're going to be talking about LeBron James. But he's not the only player we're going to be talking about today as we embark upon the next group, which in my eyes is Probably the last, eh, let's say the last true group of players, you might be able to make an argument, might, this is this is iffy, you might be able to make an argument that there's like a three or four person mini group, uh, that's the next one. But then after that, you're running a pretty good long way. I think you could go eight, ten players deep in the next group, and then you're probably another, like, 10... Like, the groups get bigger, basically, is what I'm saying. Aside from the very weird uh, Dame Giannis through Devin Booker chunk, this is... 
I think, in my opinion, and that's hopefully why you're listening to me yell into a microphone for however many minutes, this is, uh, I think, the last small to medium-sized group. It'll probably take us two shows, I think, to go through these guys. And then after that, I might want to tweak how we talk about some of this stuff. I don't know that there's a value in breaking down every single player on the board. We could kind of do that, which is sort of what we've been doing. But I also feel like doing that with the guys at the top of the board, and then maybe we start to isolate individual players that people have particularly large questions on. I also put out a question last week on Twitter asking what strategic elements people were hoping would get discussed on the podcast, so maybe we dive into a little bit of that as well. But today, we are on the next group, a group that extends from, as we mentioned already, Larry Markinen and LeBron James, who basically share an ADP right now of 25.6, through Carl Anthony Towns, who has an ADP of 27.2. It's five players within 1.6 ADP I'm going to say slots because it's not really a slot. But then when you categorize them, when you organize them, when you line them up as integers, it goes Trey Young, who was the 23rd player we talked about, and then Markinen, LeBron, Kawhi, Jimmy Butler, and Carl Anthony Towns. Those are the five players that are all mashed into this very small pocket of ADP information. Before we talk about the first player that I want to discuss on that board, I think it's important to point out how interesting and frankly kind of rare it is to have five players that are this mushed together and all like pretty well maybe not marketing but big name players lebron james arguably the greatest player of this generation Kawhi, who for about a year and a half looked like he might be the best player in the nba jimmy butler who's been insane you know, come playoff time. Cat, who doesn't have quite the, the resume of the other three guys, but one of the most offensively gifted bigs. I mean, these are big-name players, and they're all just in the same spot. And it's notable because the gap between Trey Young and Lowry Markkinen is 2.4. 50% bigger than the gap between all five of these guys. So they really are going at the same spot. They very rarely go in front of the Trey Young, Sabonis, Bain, Mitchell, Mikhail Bridges, and then Harden is kind of this like fluttering butterfly of a wild card in that thing. They very rarely go in front of those guys, but they also very rarely fall behind one another, meaning this is a five spot that is clustered. So is it fair for us to say and kind of play this the same way we did the last one, which is, would I even consider drafting a particular player at a particular spot? I think the answer to that is yes. And maybe this is the last group where that's the the big question we're asking. Would I draft LeBron at 24? Would I draft Jimmy Butler at 24? Once we get beyond these guys, because this is 24, 5, 6, 7, 8, we're up to pick 29 after that, would I draft someone at pick 29? Maybe has a little less gray area, even. And maybe it's not the right question to ask anymore. But we're not there yet. We're not there yet. For now, we're talking about this group. Last group, I thought, 
well, maybe we go through it by who finished the highest the year before. I think this time we just start with the biggest damn name on the entire basketball planet, and that's LeBron James. He's LeBron, damn it. And he still had a pretty damn impressive season last year. Averaged 28.9 points per game, 2.23s on one of his worst three-point shooting seasons in a while, by the way. Mark that down in your brain because that's not a stat that always holds season over season. As you guys can now see, we'll try to zoom in on LeBron's information a little bit more. You guys can see it pulled up there. Uh, let's see if we can get the season stats available. I don't like the way Yahoo has redone this thing. In any event, I'm going to be looking at a different page. I'll just show you guys a bigger picture of LeBron. This last season, he shot just 32% from three. That was the worst since 2015 for Braun. So if that's a number that ticks back up a little bit, but you get the point. Steals were basically an all-time low at just 0.9 per game. Blocks fell back more towards a career norm after having a big spike last season, not this most recent one, when he was tasked with playing center for long stretches. That was a big fantasy bump for LeBron, getting those extra blocks by being the last line of defense. Why was LeBron down at number 23? Because you guys can look at me and you'll be like, Dan, you've said that LeBron's value is almost always tied to his free throw percent. And historically, it had been. He was a first rounder when he shot in mid-70s in free throws. And he was a second rounder when he shot in the 60s in free throws. This season was different specifically because, well, I think we could argue because his three-point percentage was considerably worse. It wasn't the only thing holding him back, but it was a big part, and then the steals being significantly lower. So we go into this season asking basically three things about LeBron. One, can he once again hold off Father Time? Dude was born basically on the last day of the year, 1984. Yeah, it's weird to look up and see a year on the board that's not that far from my own. That's how old LeBron is now. He will turn 39 in the middle of this NBA season. That's old in the NBA. That is not old. That is ancient in the NBA. There are signs of him wearing down, and I would argue the defensive stats might be the clearest example of that because his free throws got better. Chill old LeBron James got his free throw stroke back. And he still is a pretty amazing finisher. Maybe not quite as impressive as, say, his Miami days where he was shooting in the mid to high 50s from the field and just hammer dunking on everyone, but really not all that far off from his Cleveland days and basically the same as it's been since he got to L.A. Aside from the year he played center, where, again, he was just generally a little closer to the bucket. If you adjust LeBron's three-point shooting back up a little bit, how much does that actually change things? Well, a third of his shots were from downtown. And he shot, well, against his career, only about two and a half percentage points worse. But against the last four, five, six years, more like four to five percentage points worse. It's not a massive jumper, but it is a field goal percent bump of a half to one percent. Something in that neck of the woods. Some maybe even a little bit more. Not nothing, not everything. So let's assume for argument's sake that the three-point shot comes back a little bit for LeBron. Maybe not even all the way. We could keep it low. Do we think, 
steals come back up? Do we think assists come back up for LeBron? Do we think free throw percent holds as well? In order of those questions, I don't think the steals come back up all the way. Now, he's a career one and a half steals guy per game, but he hasn't been that guy in a long time, half a decade. But at least he was in the 1.1 to 1.4 range over that half decade before falling down to 0.9. Could he claw his way back up to 1, 1.0 in steals? He could, but I also think the Lakers would love to get his minutes down under 35 per ball game. Like the season the Lakers won the title, he was at 34 and a half minutes per game. The following season, he was banged up, so the minutes being low were a little bit of a facade. And also, do we think LeBron, they'd like to get him back down under 22 shots per game? Absolutely. It's probably, and look, the Lakers had issues late. One of them was LeBron's own health, so we didn't get to see like a, all the LeBron down the stretch. Remember, he was dealing with foot stuff, and he'll... The hope, I guess, is that his foot stuff is at least somewhat covered. But down the stretch this year, he only played 11 of the team's final 25 or 26 ball games, And over that stretch, he averaged 24 points, 8 boards, 6 assists, 1.3. That's it. Combined defensive stats on 46-78 splits. That's decent for a normal NBA player. For LeBron, that's not very good. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. I would love, you guys are probably sitting there thinking, get to the damn point, Dan. And you would have every right to say that. I would love to come out here and tell you guys that LeBron being drafted at the end of the second round, beginning of the third round, is an amazing opportunity to get the best player of his generation at a discount. Unfortunately, the arrows pointed the wrong way. And so LeBron, who's being drafted basically where he finished last year, is likely to be asked to do less this regular season. The Lakers needed to squeeze every drop out of LeBron and Anthony Davis during this most recent season. That was a team, remember, that started the year eight games under 500, one of the only teams ever to start a season 2-10 and and then make a deep run into the playoffs. But they did it because 
when LeBron was healthy enough to take the, the court and when AD was healthy enough to take the court, they ran those dudes into the floor. AD got some rest days here and there, make no mistake. But when he was upright and when LeBron was upright, they got ground into a pulp because the team just had no choice. They were playing well late. And if that was the way the team had been playing from the outset, then they wouldn't have had to grind these guys into a pulp. And that's a big part of what this season is going to be. This is the age 39, I say again, season for LeBron James. 39 people. Most NBAers don't make it anywhere near that age. And he's expected to run the team the same way he always has? No. They want him to be LeBron in April, in May, in June. They want him to be some partial Braun, a facsimile of old LeBron during the regular season. An overwhelmingly gifted basketball player who's not going at full tilt because it's just better for him. You're going to see rest days, provided he doesn't have a nasty injury. You're going to see rest days. Just like with AD, you're going to see rest days because the Lakers have the firepower this year to be an above 500 team without having to claw like lunatics over the season's final two months. Their schedule is going to be tough, man, but so is everybody in the Western Conference. There aren't going to be days where they can just cakewalk their way to a win, but they're going to beat the average teams a lot of the time. They're going to beat the good teams some of the time, which is just not something they've done basically since the Russell Westbrook trade when they jettisoned every reasonable player on their team for one dude. And now they flipped it around. They jettisoned the one dude and added a whole bunch of decent to good basketball players. Mind you, you've got D'Angelo Russell on that team. You've got this ascending Austin Reeves who's exploding on the national stage for Team USA, the international stage. Screw national. You've got Rui Hachimura who suddenly turned a corner in L.A. Jared Vanderbilt, Gabe Vincent, this is a team, Torian Prince. Not that Jackson Hayes makes much of a difference, but at least they have another center on the team now. This is a team with depth and skill and chemistry that they built towards the end of last year. All of that stuff, forget the Lakers propaganda part of this show, all of that stuff basically just says they don't want LeBron doing as much as he did last year. And what he did last year was number 23 in 9-cat. Is there perhaps a little bit of wiggle room on the please, Dan, let me draft LeBron James front if you're punting turnovers? The answer is meh. He was at 3.2 this last year because, again, his role should be diminishing. He didn't pass as much because he was shooting more. And this season, he'll probably pass a little more per minute, but they want to keep his minutes down again. He moved up to number 18 if you're punting turnovers this last year. So 8-cat, he was a little bit better than 9. But again, you know, we're talking about the narrowest margin. The narrowest margin. And I just don't think there's enough there. I wish, as a, as a lifetime Laker fan, as someone who, who donned the purple and gold during uh, the, the post-Magic era which was, by the way, not a particularly exciting era of Lakers basketball. That was what I like to call the Cedric Sapalos era. I'm also a very pragmatic fantasy player when it comes to this team. And I don't 
want to target almost any of them. I mean, I guess you could make a decent case for Anthony Davis because his his per-game upside is so ridiculous. But this is a team now that's going to be giving different players different stuff to do. Reeves is going to do more. Russell's going to do his thing. Vincent's going to do some stuff. They're going to ask other people to take some of the load off. I'll say again in case it didn't click in earlier. LeBron James took 22 shots per game this last year. That's not the way the Lakers want to run their offense this season. This is the year LeBron falls into maybe as deep as the 30s on a per-game basis unless the three-pointers really come roaring back because the other stuff, yeah, it's going to continue to just slowly trickle in the I'm-getting-older direction. It's unavoidable. So would I draft LeBron James at pick number 24? That's ultimately the question at the end of all of these discussions, and the answer is probably not. I love LeBron, especially once he turned into DGAF LeBron. That was probably when he came back to Cleveland, and he was like, all right, I'm done caring what everybody thinks about me. I'm just going to go kick a whole bunch of ass and take names. That was when I kind of fell in love with LeBron. I know he had already been in the NBA for like a dozen years at that point. Uh, I thought early LeBron was doing a lot of eggshell walking with the world, which is fine. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on someone who's expected to be the best player in the universe. But when he stopped walking on eggshells, that was when I thought he got fun. I would love to put LeBron on a fantasy team. I just don't think it's going to be worth it this year. And it's possible he continues to go a little bit earlier each time. I say again, too, there's the caveat, is it would I draft LeBron James at 24? The answer, largely because of some of these other guys still floating around on the board, is I don't think so. This is a five-player bucket, so we got to get through at least one more guy. Uh, and that one more guy is going to be a shorter one. And that one more guy is Kawhi Leonard. His story is all math. You don't need to know anything about Kawhi Leonard that you don't already know. His fantasy game is ridiculous. You can see it here for those watching with us as we pull up some of the numbers. Ugh, Yahoo, why did you guys screw up this board? There's just nothing. You can't get anything on these guys as you click through their name. It's absolutely brutal. Anyway, we're talking about Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi, his fantasy game, outstanding. Outstanding. One of the best in the NBA and once he was playing at full tilt last year, full tilt Kawhi was number four per game. In nine cat, mind you, because he was one of the weird top tier guys that didn't turn the ball over very much. But 27 points, two and a half, three, seven boards, four assists, 2.3 defensive stats. And the splits are crazy. 53-90. 53% from the field and 90% at the free throw line were the splits on Kawhi. Over that stretch of time, basically since Kawhi got his legs underneath him, we'll call it the second half of the season, he was behind Dame, who went on that absurd run before shutting it down. He was just trying to save his team, and it didn't work. Jokic and Embiid. And then it was Kawhi, ahead of all of these other guys. Also, I'd like to point out, over the season's final three months, so from January 14th to April 14th, basically, Kawhi Leonard played 34 ball games. Do you know how many games the guys played around him on that list? Dame played 31. Jokic played 32. Embiid played 38 over that stretch. Shea, 32. Kyrie, 30. That's the top six. Kawhi played the second most games over that stretch. 
We've heard the Clippers talk a lot about how they're going to take the regular season more seriously. That's blah, 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 blah. Kawhi's still going to get his days off. It's unavoidable. Um, the Clippers, I'm sure, would love to uh, maintain a position above the play-in. And by the way, that's going to be easier said than done in the NBA this season because there's going to be a lot of good teams in the Western Conference. The Clippers did just barely do that this last year. They were, I think, one game up? Check me on that. Yeah, game up. Tied with the Warriors, 5-6 seed. One game up on the Lakers for staying out of the play-in tournament. So they're going to have to put their butt into it a little bit. But they also have, I I think I was reading, and you guys can correct me on this one, I believe they're traveling the most miles of any team in the NBA this year, which is crazy when you think about how far Portland has to go just to get out of their own little bubble in the Pacific Northwest. There just aren't teams nearby. And the Clippers are traveling more. I think they also have one of the highest totals of back-to-backs in the season. So as much as they might want Kawhi to play more games this year, they're also not going to force it. Still, a lot of the Kawhi stuff this last season, him playing 52 ball games, was early in the year. I want to try to make sure we remember that. If you look at, like, the first, oh, uh, I don't know, call it... Because the season's about six months, give or take. Last three months, a little bit less than half of the games because of the All-Star break. So go first three months, basically. So, like, mid-late October to mid-late January. If you look at that stretch, the Kawhi Leonard games played total was 20. And you had guys in the NBA that were playing, you know, 42, 43 games over that stretch. So, yeah. Kawhi missed 30 games this last year, but about the 75 to 80% of his missed games came in the first half. If he just maintains and misses the typical rest days plus, you know, the usual whatever, then you hope to get back to what Kawhi was doing previously, which I realize the whole load management thing is a pain in the butt, but he's usually targeting something like around 15 games missed in a season. It's head-to-head. You can't do it. You can't. Simple as that. The upside is stratospheric. If you're getting Kawhi Leonard at the beginning of the third round, and this is a guy that could be a top five per game player, But the problem with Kawhi isn't just that he misses games. It's how he misses games. He misses one every week. If he has a three-game week, you're getting two. If he's a four-game week, you're getting three. You basically just budget that in for if you have Kawhi Leonard on your team. You can never put him on the IL slot. You could use an IL plus on him, but look, I get it. IL plus is helpful, and I would strongly recommend that your head-to-head leagues have them. Uh... But someone else on your team is going to need that from time to time. It can't just always be Kawhi using your IL Plus slot. And that's sort of what it turns out to be. Like, you need to have him on it for two to three days every single week to try to salvage whatever roster spot you've got cooking without him. It just creates too much of a crunch 
Whereas if someone gets hurt and just misses four weeks in a row, at least you can throw them on a regular IL slot and try to fill that thing. On the Roto side, it's a little bit of a different monster because I'm a little bit less worried about what someone's target number of games played it coming into the season. Head-to-head, that has to be one of the first things you ask yourself. Is this player targeting 90% of his team's games? Is this guy in a perfect world even trying to play in 74 games this year? And the answer is yes for a lot of players, but not everybody. Kawhi is not trying to play in 74 games out of 82. He is trying to play in about 66. Maybe call it 68 if you want to be kind to him. Something's going to go wrong. An ankle tweak, a sore knee, a sore back, a weird travel day, whatever. That's even maybe not even on a back-to-back. So if he's trying to get to 68, in all likelihood, he's actually trying to get to like 63. 19 missed games is a big deal. But now, again, for head-to-head, you're just not going there. It's too much. You're, you're asking too much. In Roto, it's math. It's a math question. And the math question is, is this guy that I'm able to draft at basically pick 25-26, which, by the way, is about as late as Kawhi's ever gone, is this guy who has a very real shot to be a top eight per game player over the entire season. Can he hit that mark by totals or get close enough to it where I can shoot for the upside here on the Roto Games Cap format leagues, for those of you that are playing that side, and risk the downside? I'm actually inclined to say yes. Again, I will repeat for the third time, You're not doing this in head-to-head. Just skip over him. It's very easy. Someone else might catch lightning in a bottle for a few weeks or months or whatever. Maybe he's upright during the fantasy playoffs. But getting there is so hard if you spend a second or third round pick on somebody that's just maybe not there. On the Roto side, I believe the answer is yes. Because if you look at some of the guys inside the top 24, by totals... Over a season, quite a few of them played games in the 50s. I will repeat that because it's actually really important. If you look at the guys who finished inside the top 25, call it 25 instead of 24, doesn't really matter, who finished inside the top 25 by totals, quite a few of them had a games played number in the 50s. Damian Lillard, 58 games finished number 13 by totals. Anthony Davis, 56 games, finished at number 17. Steph, 56 games, finished at number 20. Halliburton, 56 games, finished at number 23. Now, if you drafted those guys in the first round and they played 56 games and finished in the second round, you'll be annoyed By the way, James Harden, 58 games, finished at number 29, so not that far out of it. But if you draft that guy at 26, and he only needs to get to 58 games, I mean, really, he only needs to get to about 56 games to get to his ADP by totals? Do we think Kawhi can get to 56 games this year? 
Bearing in mind, again, that he basically took the first six or seven weeks off this season and still got to 52? I think the answer is that those bars intersect in a nice way. Because if Kawhi Leonard, and you can play this game with totals all day and all night, if Kawhi Leonard, a top 10, that's conservative estimate, probably more like a top 8 or top 6 per game guy, even gets into the 60s in games played. He's inside the top 15, like with his eyes closed. Kyrie Irving was number uh, 14 this year, and he played exactly 60 games as the number nine per game player. By the way, there isn't a perfect example. Kyrie's probably one of the best ones. Jimmy Butler played in 64 games as the number 10 per game player. And by totals, that allowed him to finish at number 9. Because a lot of the guys at the top of the board are enormous injury risks. And Kawhi is just one of them with, like, a little extra. If everybody else is an injury risk with one exclamation point, Kawhi Leonard is an injury risk with two exclamation points. It's why these guys that are actually trying to get to 90% of their team's games are going in the mid to late second round because everybody else is like, I don't even know if they're going to play. It's why Mikhail Bridges is going where he is. It's why Demonis Sabonis is going where he is. It's why Tatum goes where he does. At like four, even though he's never really sniffed that high on a per-game basis, but he plays. He gets into the damn ball game. Anthony Edwards is the other guy we've talked about on this pod. Does he belong in that range per game? Hell no. But he's out there. We don't even need Kawhi Leonard to be reliable. We don't need durable. We need not fully broken. And so for Games Cap Roto, you know I'm going to get suckered into this thing again. I think we'll put a pin in our player discussion there. Um, and what we'll do here is, for all of the listeners, we'll take a quick look over at the uh, YouTube comments just to see if we've got any questions about today's stuff. We can kind of run through a couple of those if there was a, a topic or a uh, sort of tangential thought that we didn't hit on. I want to do remind everybody, if you're listening and you want to hang out with us on YouTube, that's at youtube.com slash sportsethos. If you're watching this thing, on YouTube, either live or after the fact, I can see some folks that are sort of like in and out. That's fine. Again, you're basically just watching me record uh, a an audio show. Uh, please do take a moment to hit the thumbs up and uh, and subscribe button. And again, if uh, I forgot to mention, if you're listening, please drop a five star, whether it's on Spotify or iTunes or or however you consume your podcast. All that stuff is really important during the ramp up to the season. This is when you can kind of snowball viewers and listeners a little bit. So thank you guys in advance for doing that. I'll mention again here towards the end of the show uh, that the Fantasy Pass, which is now split into sports. You have the NBA Fantasy Pass, NFL, MLB. Uh, you also have the All Sport Fantasy Pass, Ethos 360. There's a lot of good stuff over at Sports Ethos. Prices go up when the NBA Draft Guide drops, and that's happening in the next couple of days. So if you're thinking about get, getting a monthly package for the Brewski 150 or whatever, this is the time to do it. Sportsethos.com. Go check those out. Now, uh, questions from the chat room. First one is about rookies, the Thompsons. Um, you guys know me. I just, I don't do the rookie thing. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, for redraft, I'm probably leaving it alone. We'll take a look. Mm. So let me, uh, what's the ADP on these guys right now? I want to make sure that I'm answering this right. It's still relatively low. Right now, with the ADP where it is, it's a situation where I would look at them towards the end of a draft. I have this feeling, and part of the reason, again, I mostly just write off rookies, especially right now, I kind of write off rookies because training camp, you tend to see them start to move up the board. They do stuff, and then they move up the board. Um, I don't think there's enough there uh, at the moment. But depending on where they end up with like a week to go before the season, then I might dig into it a little bit. Uh, and I'd probably lean more towards the Pistons Thompson. Yeah, that's where I'm at with that one. Uh, Blake asks, what does my shirt say? Oh, that's fun for you guys. My shirt says dare to bowl. Wait, I got to put the, I got to take the thing off the screen. So most of you don't know this. I was on a junior bowling team, uh, when I was 17 years old at Corbin Bowl in Tarzana, California. And, uh, and we won the league. I'm actually like a sneaky, decent bowler and a pretty good golfer. I am what is known as, uh, coordinated but not athletic okay so dare to bowl everybody matthew asks where are we drafting jimmy butler nine cat roto uh 10 per game and eight totals last year don't worry my friend matthew we will get to jimmy butler probably on tomorrow's show i'm thinking because yeah he's right down in there in that pocket so we'll probably talk butler marketing and cat i'm thinking on tomorrow's show if we get to all three so Sit tight, Matthew. That'll be coming up on tomorrow's show. Apollo says the Lakers are a mid-team. I actually disagree with that. I think they're pretty good, and I don't think it was fluky that they made it to the Western Conference Finals last year. But also adds, I can't deal with injury-prone or load-managed players anymore. I hated waiting five minutes before the game to figure out if they're sitting or not. Yeah, it's a huge pain in the butt. Um, in head-to-head, you really just can't. You just can't. Games Cap Roto, it's one of the reasons that I actually like Games Cap Roto a lot is that it pulls all these players back onto the draft board and then you're doing these math questions mid-draft. Can I get him here? Is he going to hit this mark by totals? Is this, is you know, 59 games enough out of this guy? Is this a win? Is this a loss? I love that crap. Matthew says 56 games for Halliburton. He's flying off the shelves in drafts. Yeah, I'm actually good with Halliburton this year. Last season, Indy was too good with him. So they had injuries and they didn't rush him back. They were absolutely brutal without him on the floor. And I, I think the Pacers want to win this year. So if he's capable, he's playing. Warren says that LeBron is the GOAT. Yeah, I mean, he very well might be. Certainly one of the top handful of players of all time. Uh, and then Apollo agrees last, last round for the Thompson Twins. Again, I lean more towards the Detroit one. I just think there's a little more room there uh, with Houston now trying to kind of make this push forward on the winning front. I am going to go cook myself lunch. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Please do subscribe, uh, rate, and review, all that good stuff. I'm Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on the Twitters, slash x.com. That can't be right. I think it's still twitter.com when you type in the URL, isn't it? Who knows? Um, either way, I'll talk to you guys over on social. So long for now. Back tomorrow. We'll break it all down, everybody.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.